Hello everyone, and welcome back to Season 5 of SCADcast and On Creativity. Thank you for joining us once again. I'm Matt Nickley. This season's launch comes right as SCAD unveils Define Art 2021, an event that unites some of the most consequential artists of the century and combines virtual content, artist symposiums, and museum exhibitions open to the public. This year's cadre of pivotal contemporary artists include Sanford Biggers, Marcel Dezama, Albert Watson, Rose B. Simpson, and today's On Creativity special guest, the Haas Brothers. Growing up in a family of artists with a sculptor father, an opera singing mother, and an actor older brother, twin brothers Nikolai and Simon Haas seemed destined for creative collaboration. As teenagers, they were taught music, writing, painting, and sculpting, all skills they employ today in work that blurs the lines between design and fine art. This cross-pollination of talents and mediums makes them impossible to pin down. They are furniture designers, fine art sculptors, author illustrators, home decor designers, and soon-to-be bar and coffee shop owners with their Los Angeles Color Club venture. Simply put, they are definitive, creative entrepreneurs, always open to exploring new concepts, embracing challenges, and surprising even themselves. Through their work, Nikolai and Simon not only delight and entertain, but explore essential themes of identity and sexuality. Paula Wallace interviewed the brothers virtually from their Define Art exhibition, Beast in Show, at the SCAD Museum of Art in Savannah. She was surrounded by their fantastical creature designs that show the height of their organic fantasy minds in an exhibition that's as warm, playful, and conversation-starting as the Haas brothers themselves. From SCADcast, this is On Creativity, a conversation between Paula Wallace and the Haas brothers. Welcome to SCAD, and thank you for being a part of Define Art 2021. Of course, thanks for having us. Well, Beast and Show is truly an experience, and we're delighted to bring it to Savannah and to our students. This exhibition is simply fantastical, with friendly beasts based on the personalities of friends, family, and loved ones. I want to know, like, how do you decide who to evoke and what materials best suit them? Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, like, uh, we'll come into the studio in the morning and just sort of start working and you just, I don't know, I'll sit there and think about the past couple days and interactions I've had with buddies. And it's not necessarily like, I'm not like, this is my father, this is my brother, this is my mom or something. It's just like, I had a good conversation with a friend last night, and they were goofy in a specific way. And it's a portrait of that goofiness, specifically, not necessarily them as a person. So... I don't know. It's just kind of whatever is floating in your brain when it gets there, you know? Does that make sense? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I see we have Shaggy Gyllenhaal here, and we actually mm-hmm. have had Maggie Gyllenhaal at SCAD. So okay. cool. we, welcome, we cool. welcome Shaggy. <laughs> Great. Who's higher maintenance? <laughs> so in this body of work, we're seeing mainly your use of bronze and fur and a little woodworking. But would you elaborate on the breadth of materials and techniques that you use? 
Uh, yeah, we do ceramics, beadwork, uh, weaving, carving, stone carving, bronze casting, resin, wood. What else? What am I missing? That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think specifically <laughs> for this show, yeah, bronze, wood, and fur. And, and I think like one, uh, one technique we're excited about, the, the, the red guy behind you over your left shoulder uh, is the largest piece that we've used, um, a process we call direct wax casting, which instead of making a mold, we actually just sculpted it out of wax, which is pretty difficult to do in a larger scale. So that was maybe in terms of a physical aspect of this show, that was our that was our biggest push was to be pushing larger scale works with this direct wax sculpting technique, which was really fun to, to get to do. Your works are biomorphic and playful, and I'm wondering how your practice has evolved. Um, <laughs> we, we've always been doing stuff like this, right? I mean, Nikki and I used to make toys actually when we were kids, and they were uh, already really strange and very playful. Uh, and we tried to sell them at a toy store. Um, and so it's it's kind of always been about play and fun uh, in terms of the objects we make together. Uh, and really like the, the evolution just has to do with us getting better at our craft, feeling more free in it and um, and just being confident to to do exactly what we what we come up with. We, we work in uh, like plant life and animal life a lot. Like those are our biggest inspirations, I think, in terms of form. And you don't see a lot of like straight edges or lines necessarily in, in that. And I think like um, our artwork uses fantasy to sort of transport you into a new way of thought. That's really, we use fantasy as like a vehicle for, for, for thought. And um, uh, a fantasy is easy to create with more biomorphic shapes because it feels familiar and it feels like you could have a relationship potentially with like one of those figures in the room with you. Like, Oh, I, that's a funny, you know, like that, you know, have people say about our sculptures that looks shy or that looks, you know, aggressive or fun. And, um, it, it's, it's harder to get those types of feelings and emotions across with straight lines. And so we've always just sort of worked inside of like a more biomorphic feel because it feels more intimate, mm -hmm. I think for us. Right, so mm -hmm. the little squiggly horns are some of my favorite touches. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. they're pretty cute. Yeah, and it probably holds some kind of emotional value. The squiggly horn, it's like humorous on some level, which is like it's fun to. I think like um, like for a while, I really thought of myself as like a sculptural humorist, where it's like it seems it's um, like give yourself a job that doesn't really exist inside of what you're doing, and then I, I don't know. I, I feel like like nailing. Uh, emotions or human like things that are that are only inside of like a human capacity to do it through inert objects is is often the goal when we're making work so well, these guys are exquisite and um just you know endlessly fascinating to me well i know you, you guys are twins of course and so you're kind of predestined to be collaborators and in fact you've been 20 for a long time yeah creative partnerships are often as complex as the work they produce and i'm wondering how do you navigate the creative process as a duo um you know like you said we are twins and we kind of understand each other naturally so that helps a lot um but we also have two very different approaches and we already both kind of like to approach 
we like different things. So it's not like we're stepping on each other's toes while we make. And like, I know that Nikki is gonna be better at sculpting a gesture than I am. And he tends to like not step on my toes if I'm doing like a material study or something like that. And we, we just both know where the other one excels and we, um, we both value each other's talents in that way. So and give each other space, you know, and then yeah. we'll sort of like come up with things on our own and then push them towards each other. And then when the moment's right for them to combine, you can just feel it, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's like, um, I feel like we didn't find this until a little bit deeper into our practice, but that um, to like really remember to not put the work before personal relationship. Mm -hmm. And then oftentimes if you follow support rather than execution, you actually end up with a better with like a better object in the end uh, that, and that's a pretty abstract <laughs> line of thought but it's just that uh like you know we're having fun in our studio and talking to each other and just trying to come up with ideas that like makes the other one excited that's really kind of what it's about just like if you're in a conversation with a friend and you're laughing and trying to come up with the next funniest joke it kind of feels like that mm. um anyway. <laughs> so and you practiced and worked with your father, uh, Beerhold, also an artist, and you continue to collaborate. What early lessons from your dad do you still utilize today? You know, he taught us, he was a stone carver, and um, that was a great first material to learn on uh, because really it takes... Tough. I mean, that's hard. hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's really hard. so hard, and it takes a long time, so he's responsible for us being pretty fearless about materials, just approaching them and, and also um, not being distraught if, if something you're working on fails, because in stone it breaks. Stone's just the best like teaching material because it teaches you the patience and the humility and uh, that it's difficult, but the process itself is rewarding. And, and then, you know, our dad was really funny with the way he sculpted too. So I think that his his expression and his strange humor uh, had a lot to do with with uh, the kinds of shapes that we make now too. And both our parents really taught us an appreciation for artwork. I think that they really held art in very high esteem always. Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, so which was it was you know funny going to school, and there'd be other kids that weren't as involved in art at home, because I think we were like spectacularly involved in art mm -hmm. for our family. And, and so, you know, it, we didn't really realize that until later, but, um, but, but there was always art around the house and art books, there was a piano, there was always music. And it's like, we're really lucky to have grown up in an incredibly creative environment, so. Yeah, you went to St. Stephen's. We love St. Stephen's at Scan. You know cool. St. Stephen's? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We I loved it there. Yeah. Great students from there. And and yeah. what opera did you hear around the house? I heard you heard oh, a lot yeah. of opera. Our well, mom's our opera. Mom, <laughs> our mom is an opera singer. Yeah. She would sing, yeah. yeah. Uh, and just all opera. And then our dad is from Germany, and he grew up playing the violin, and his dad was a priest, and they were very, like, classical music. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of classical music in the house as and our kids. Older brother, you know, played piano and guitar, and you know, he's eight years older than us, so he would uh, he would always just be doing fun, cool stuff. So mm -hmm. you know, it's like it doesn't. And an actor, so it's like we'd be on sets with him, and you know, going to a stone quarry with our dad, and then like our mom would be making these crazy shell sculptures. It was just art, like creativity was was 
at full tilt all the time in our, <laughs> in our house. So, so your your career kind of had just had to be. <laughs> I yeah, avoided I mean, it. It's, a, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's like uh, it's yeah. like if you're from a family of lawyers and you become a lawyer, it's like literally what the, it was the most obvious path for us. I tried so, to be a hockey uh, player. I tried yeah. to do other stuff, and then I found my way back to this, and I'm so happy mm. I did. I don't know why I resisted <laughs> it. It's a great job. So oh, this is more fun. Yeah. Uh, imminently, yeah. Yeah, imminently more fun. It's a good lifestyle too, you know. So it's great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're basically self-employed, you mm. know, independent businessman too. Yeah, mm. totally. There's a big, big business aspect to it for sure. I mean, it's funny because we can look loose and easy, but we practice business very seriously. Mm. We have to. So you know, it's part of it. I'd say you know, but. it's your profession. Absolutely. Yeah. Your work dances between fine art and functional design, and it's really a big deal that you're represented by both R&Company Company and Marion Bosky, your darlings of the art fair world. Mm. Uh, but what do you show at Design Miami versus Art Basel, for instance? So we don't show stuff that's all that different, um, but <laughs> there's, there's and, and this is sort of why I think we, are in the gray area there is that we've always done things like shown at Design Miami. Um, well, we showed these large mushrooms at Design Miami and they were not functional objects, but we gave them, we called them umbrellas. Uh, mm -hmm. And so technically if it is an umbrella, it's a design object. And then we also showed paintings that had uh, a frame that we made. We made the painting and the frame, but we would list them as a frame. And then the painting was just a filler object. So it was more about how we would describe it. And I think that sort of points to just how, how much of a spectrum it is, the, uh, the art and design spectrum. When I was at school, I, we had a form versus function conversation all the time. And like, is it this or is it this? And it's just, it's so impossible to actually define. No and it, labels, no labels. No. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah. I, I remember, like, we had, we were at Art Basel and Design Miami at the same time in Miami in, like, uh, I think 2016, maybe, and we had the mushroom, these mushrooms that Simon was talking about over in the design fair, and we had a big table over in the art fair, and in the design fair, they were trying to make us take the mushrooms down, and luckily, we were able to keep it up. But they were, you know, when they do the vetting, they're like, we have to get it out of here because it's not design, which I, I agree, it wasn't design, not, yeah. <laughs> but we still wanted them in the fair. And then on the, mm -hmm. on the art fair side, they were like saying, you need to take this table out because it's a table. And they made the gallery put books on the table. So mm -hmm. it was being used. And so that's what, to them, it was worth making a stink to just force us to put some books on the mm -hmm. table. And it's like, I, <laughs> I don't care. You can put a book on the, you know, on one of the sculptures behind you. It doesn't matter to me, man. Like we're just making our stuff. And I think that we ended up in this zone where, where like, I don't know, we made something and we're like, cool, we're going to show it at a fair. And someone's like, you're not allowed to do that. And we're like, Oh really? Mm -hmm. Cause then that's all we're going <laughs> to do. And it just, you know, it's just like having a good time. I think we just got into yeah. and wanting to have more fun. And we realized yeah, that a lot of the... Don't you want to just run the work across the street? I mean... Yeah, yeah. totally. And, it's, and, and like, yeah. if we could, we would. But, but I, I think that part of what we saw, you know, we were young and like, uh, we were just, we had nothing really to lose. And we were excited that we were 
showing in fairs at all. And so we were like, let's just do whatever we want to. And I think we realized that the gatekeepers on, you know, in the design world or in the art world are, they have more to gain from the categorization than the artists do. And I think that really the artists are the ones who should uh, say what their work is or not. So. The approximate descriptions of an umbrella, I think that's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I just think like 20 somethings are naturally transgressive and uh -huh. we were finding our way and we saw that we were that we were irking people for almost no reason. Uh -huh. And then when you're irking someone for no reason, you know that whatever your whatever lion's tail you're catching mm -hmm. on to, you better hold on tight because it's <laughs> gonna take you somewhere cool, you know? That's yeah, kind of what it felt like. There was one gallerist in Design Miami who would stand there like very, like looking at our booth very mad. Mm -hmm. And I just thought you're putting a lot of energy into being so mad about something. Yeah. And it was stuff that you have behind you right now. Like mm -hmm. cute, fun stuff, and and he was very upset about it. Ultimately, <laughs> so, I think we also like, understood that that meant that we were succeeding, yeah. and that that was that that we were that we were touching something that <laughs> that that would lead to us, you know, getting a larger audience and and provoking more thought. And so we yeah. just we just hit the throttle as hard as we could, you know. You're being talked about, you know. <laughs> we just mentioned books, and I know one of your quarantine projects was a children's book called Animal mm -hmm. Alphabet. Yeah. 21st century Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Um, what are some of your artistic inspirations? Oh, Dr. Seuss is definitely in there for sure. Uh, you know, I have a three-year-old son and, and we've gone through all the Dr. Seuss books. Uh, now we're like reading Roald Dahl, which is really fun. He's super into it. And it's like, like um, I think that a lot of our inspirations would be anybody that really makes excellent fantasy. So if mm -hmm. I were to speak about just art, um, I'd say I, I love Nikki de Saint Fall. I love Yayoi Kusama. Um, I'm a huge Gaudi fan. We were just looking at a Gaudi gate yesterday. Um, Cause all of those artists create environments where you feel like you could be on a completely different planet and be in a completely different space. And you can talk about things that- They're transportive. Totally. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, in the case of Gaudi too, there, he was addressing this, like, is it art or design thing way before we were, it's not like, we're not the first people to do this at all, but like he, he was making apartment buildings that were just incredible. Even down yeah. to like the, the handles on a window where the handles themselves were sculptures. And um, I mean, Sagrada Familia might be one of the most transportive spaces that I've ever For been sure. in. It's unbelievable, you know, like it's, it's, it's so crazy. Um, but then also to think that, you know, it, it was funny because you can go to Barcelona and do a tour of like Gaudi's house. And uh, I, I expected, I don't know, you see Gaudi's work before I knew, I expected him to be more of like a Salvador Dali character. Like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm gonna have my boyfriend in a house over there and my wife in a house over here. And I'm gonna have like a boat that I can go do, you know, like, like traipse around and eat whatever food I want. And Gaudi was like, I'm very, very religious. I sleep in a single bed with a cross mm -hmm. crucifix above it. And it's just like, it kind Very of, austere. it threw me because I was just like, like, um, I'd say we're, I'm somewhere in between, you know, in terms of like the way I live my life. And, and it was just crazy to look at someone like Gaudi and go, his fantasy was so deep and so real that it can relate to such a large swath of people. Mm -hmm. And, and that I feel very different from him on a personal level um not that there's any disagreement i just go like he was such a different person than i was and i still related to his work so much because he transcended it in such a big way 
And I think anyway, sorry, I went on a long tangent, but it's like, that's the kind of artwork I love. It's like completely transportive fantasy artwork, you know? Mm-hmm. When our students study in Lacoste at the campus there, um, they often take um, the train over to Barcelona and of course explore um, all the amazing architecture that's there. Especially it's great. That's, and I think that's so cool. the cross yeah. of design and art, especially inside of our studio. You, we're just reaching for creating the most fully flushed out holistic environment that we can. Mm -hmm. And the reality is if you're occupying a space, it's going to need art and design. And I think we're just like, we're going to make all of it because then, because then it affects us on a deeper level, Mm -hmm. you know? Cause if you, if you have like a, like a door handle, that's just like from home Depot or something in a space that's totally tricked out and crazy, Mm -hmm. you can lose the fantasy a little bit. Whereas if you can control every detail, it's like your brain is somewhere else, Mm -hmm. you know? That's what Gaudi did. And I think that art is just as, beauty and art are just as functional as anything that's in design, but the function is more spiritual and, and it's a little harder to describe, but it's, it has a real purpose. And so, you know, just seeing somebody like him who, the Sagrada Familia, as, again, as an example, when you're inside of it, it gives you a sense of awe that is transcendent. And if, you know, if I had just woke up from a different planet and I walked in there, I might start to believe in an earthly religion just because of how beautiful the building was. And that's kind of like, that's the job of, of him. Of, that was his job as an artist was to, to give you that sensation inside. Yeah. And he's, and he's, and he's like willing to tackle different objectives. Mm-hmm. Like he, he down to like, I want to make a door handle that fits my hand well and works and looks beautiful. And that's the solution. I want to make a thing that opens a door mm-hmm. or, I want to make you walk into a space and you touch God. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're completely different objectives, but he can tackle them both in completely different ways. And I think that for us, it's like, we say we want to make a chair that you sit on that makes you laugh. But then also we want to create um, artwork that makes you think differently about your social construct, or you want to make artwork work that supports a community that helps make it that didn't have a chance before. And so it's just like, it just depends on your objective. And I think that in my mind, when I think about the delineation between art and design for us, it's more about the objective that we're trying to tackle. And one isn't more just or more necessarily exciting than the other. They're just completely different from each other, you know? Yeah, to live in art or worship in art, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Totally, yeah. Uh, Rihanna, there's a household name, and Rashida Jones, and Mm -hmm. jeweler Jessica McCormack, to name Mm -hmm. a few. You're always joining forces with collaborators who enjoy adventure. And at SCAD, we're also agents for partnering majors and putting different students and artists together and aligning visions. How do you choose and what do you learn from these creative partnerships? We choose based on how we feel with the person. I mean, Rihanna was a no-brainer because she's just, we're both fans of hers and she's so cool. Um, and she treated us really well. That's another did. thing is like, you have a partner that comes in and they expect too much of you. Mm. You're like, no, nah, I don't, don't want to do this. But So you know, yeah, it really has to do with a vibe and, yeah. and just like, um, are they a good person or not? And are you gonna are you going to be happy in the same room? And if you are, uh, it doesn't really matter so this is something we learned from ourselves. We're very different people, but we care about each other. And so no matter how different our ideas are, we'll always make it work. And so the, the main piece is like, can you, can you keep a good 
friendly relationship first. And so that existed with all of our collaborators. Uh, and every time we do one of those projects, I think we've, we understand the value of um, sort of reframing our own mindset or just, just reframing our work through someone else's eyes and, and getting to experience what they find important. Uh, because each time you do that, you come through the other side, come out of the other side with, uh, with a changed mind and just more perspective. And you have to be comfortable with them because they're going to, you know, like what Simon is saying, they're going to change your mind and you want it to be a positive change. You know, you don't want to be jaded afterwards or not feel good. And then ultimately that person kind of becomes a part of your, not kind of, absolutely becomes a part of your life. Definitely during the duration of the project and oftentimes much after that too. So mm -hmm. it's just, um, you got to feel them out. You have to like, you have to vibe for sure. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, it's true. They're part of your personal and professional history then. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And that, that becomes part of your identity. So you don't, you want to have, um, you know, now we are people who have worked with Rihanna and that's something that I am, I love, like who wouldn't want that, but it's a piece of me that I would be, that I hold on to and I'm really proud of. And it's, it's, I'll carry that with me forever. Cause that was, it was amazing to get to do. We, you know, our first collaborative project was with Donatella Versace and we still keep in touch with her team and everybody there because it's like, you know, it was so formative for us. One of Simon's best friends is, is somebody that we met on that project. And it, like, that's, what's, that's, what's really fun about our job is, is you, you get to dive into these really beautiful other worlds. And I think that's why we always collaborate because mm -hmm. we learn so much about ourselves. Plus you get this like really beautiful feeling of getting to show somebody your reality too and the satisfaction that comes out of that like the just the sharing is cool it's like having a romantic relationship in a way there's so much to gain and so much intimacy it's like a very different version of it but mm -hmm. it's it's real and you know they become a part of your life publishing animation illustration yeah. furniture design sculpture yeah. jewelry so is there anything you ha haven't done or can't do? You seem to enjoy riffing on standard formats. And I hear there may be a foray into interior design in your future. So tell me about Color Club. Oh, Color yeah. Club is cool. <laughs> yeah. It's a I was bar. Like, I was like, we're doing interior <laughs> that, design. That, that I was is, like, oh, yeah, that is an interior design project. Well, uh, that bar actually, yeah. uh, when I, I just wanted a room that had a lot of different colored mirrors with different colored light bulbs. That was my only idea. <laughs> So that sort of translated into now. Well, no, also the and name Color Club is so great because it's it's just like everybody's invited. I think that's mm -hmm. what's cool about the name I is like that it that. doesn't say, yeah. yeah, it doesn't say it explicitly, but it's just like this is for everyone, you know? I think that our practice always kind of focuses on what we think the world wants or needs, or maybe we're just talking about what we need for ourselves. And then oftentimes it ends up being a universal feeling. And I think everybody's like, I can't wait for all of this to be over and to go to a really fun dance party. So we're like, we're just gonna create the space ourselves so <laughs> when it is over that it's ready to happen, you know? It sounds like it'll be a 24 hour space so you're gonna have coffee and a bar. <laughs> oh, they're, those are two different. You're gonna be there all 24 hours, right? <laughs> no, they're two different they're things. Different spots. In yeah. LA, you can't yeah. do 24 hour uh, club at all. So we, oh, we close really? down at two here, right? The bar closes at two and the coffee shop opens at six. Yeah. <laughs> There's a four hour gap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, All I mean, right, both of those came out of, of quarantine and just our business kind of generally, the art world sort of slowing down and then us having these opportunities to do a couple of local collaborations and just 
it was exciting for us to have buildings in LA where we live that um, were representative of our of our aesthetic and like where we would want to hang out. I, I love the idea of having a bar. I mean, I'm sober, so I'm not going to go drink there, but I will go hang out. And like, I want it to be exactly the kind of place that I would want to hang out in. Yeah. Uh, which is like, you know, not specifically a gay bar, but pretty gay and and not just for, you know, it's like very, um, it's the kind of place that doesn't exist here yet. Lots of I'm dancing. I think yeah. it's going to be a lot of dance, dance, a lot of good music. It'll be fun. And then the coffee shop, we were just like, this is an opportunity where we can create free art. So we're making these tiny coffee shops, so like 200 square feet. And the idea is that the building itself is just insanely packed. Like the first one we're opening has a, a 20 ton uh, uh, stone cat on top of it and like a crazy mural and, and built in terrazzo uh, furniture that's in all kinds of crazy psychedelic shapes. And, you know, so it's, it's supposed to be an experience and it's a walkthrough. So, you know, it's supposed to open in a couple months. So during COVID, you can walk and get your coffee and be safe and still view art. And, and, you know, um, that was really the whole point of that. Okay, well, I'm going to come check it out the next time mm -hmm. I'm in L.A. Awesome. <laughs> we'll, comp, we'll comp your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <laughs> and we'll put Simon, you on the list at the club. <laughs> Simon and Nikki has been a joy chatting virtually, and we can't wait to have you come to yeah. stand in real life. I know. I know. Same here. <laughs> yeah, we wish it could be right. there. Well, we're going to plan a dance party, okay? Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. So Sounds nice talking good. to you. You got the lights on the platforms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Invites in the mail. Until then, signing off from Beast and Show. I hope you enjoyed hearing from the Haas brothers. You can learn more about this year's Define Art special guests, exhibitions, and event schedule at scad.edu slash defineart2021. Now, as we kick off Season 5, I want to thank all of our returning listeners and welcome all of our new listeners to the program. I can't wait to share with you the interviews we have planned for the next few months and beyond. It sure is good to be back. Thank you for tuning in to SCADcast and On Creativity, executive produced by SCAD president and founder Paula Wallace, with original music by SCAD alumnus George Lovett. On behalf of the entire SCAD community, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay active. We'll see you next time.